Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, welcome back. Good morning. Thank you. It's good to be back. Been a little while. Yeah. Tim Steelman filled in ably. He in did. My absence. He did. He did while you were on your holidays, and people might be wondering why we're recording on a Sunday. And the answer is, I'm going on holidays tomorrow. So, oh, yeah, I know. I'm, for a treat. I'm looking forward to it, sunshine, and um, not working and things. So, you know, for people out there, chances are next week is going to be. Uh, Very light from a podcasting perspective. I'm away and I'm actually just taking a week off from everything for the first time in whatever it is over three years now at this point. Um, Mm. The blog will continue. Um, We've got Tom, we've got Tim Stillman, we've got Andrew Allen, who will bring you the blog every morning. Our Splug News will continue, as always. But from a podcasting perspective, I'm not bringing any microphones or recording gear or anything like that with me. So until we chat again, not next week, like early the week after next, that's going to be that for podcasting. So I apologize to anyone who's going to feel like, uh, where's my podcasting fix? But also, I need a week off. So. <laughs> Listen, I think you've made a wise choice. I, I, I ended up having to cut my holiday short. I went on Saturday and I mm. came back, I think, on Wednesday night because right. I, I had a filming job. It was only like four or five days, but I felt the benefit of it so much. I'm not sure I realized quite how much I needed a holiday. It's like Gabriel Jesus, you know, Mm. as soon as you saw him play, you realized quite how much we needed him. And although you knew it, you didn't (laughs) know it until you saw it and experienced it. Yeah. And it was like that with the holiday. I feel completely um, revitalized. So a full week, I'm sure you're going to return a different man. I am. The thing is, like, many of us haven't been on many holidays for quite a long time. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, because of everything that's been going on in the world and everything else, it has been, I think it's it's probably three years since I was anywhere, apart from the fantastic trip to London at the end of May when we did the, the live show and, and went to the game. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it is, is the first time away. And I had to do I had to do the bad thing yesterday, James. The dogs. The dogs. Yeah. The dogs. I was like, oh. I had to take them out to the kennels which is about half an hour drive away from the house. And uh, the dogs were all excited to get in the back of the car, as they always are. And then I could see Archer in the back as I was looking in the rearview mirror. He was like, wait a minute. This isn't the way to any of the usual places we go. This isn't the way to the woods or the what's, park. Exactly. He's going, what's going on here? And then we were going across the motorway for quite a while. And we came off the motorway. And I let down. We were going... Um, 
sort of uh, North County Dublin back country roads kind of thing. So I let the windows down and I could see the two dogs were like, what? I don't know. I don't know what this is. I don't know the smell of this at all. This, this is very suspicious. Lana, I'm telling you there's something going on. And Lana was like, I think you're right, Archer. I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. And we got to the kennels and um, it was a bit like, oh, God damn. I'm sorry, guys. I'm really sorry for leaving you wish they here. could come. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> Get them a seat on the plane. <laughs> I'm just trying to think about walking around um, San Sebastian, going from bar to bar, yeah. pincho to pincho, with a couple of German shepherds in tow. I mean, it would probably look quite impressive, but uh, I'm not sure from flip flops, the ground would be too hot <laughs> for practical start. reasons, for practical reasons. Anyway, I had to run and, and eventually we got them into the pen and they're staying together, obviously. So they have each other. But as I was going out the door, there was a, a cacophony of barks. Sure. It was like, where the fuck do you think you're going? <laughs> Get back here. Hi, come back. Where are you going? And then I had to sort of run off back to the car going, oh, no, I'm leaving the dogs. And it's quiet. It's quiet in the house when they go. It is. I opened the back door today. Normally, when I open the back door of the house, there's like a very uh, definite click sort of sound in the door, the key doing. And that click is immediately followed by, which sure. is Lana coming out the back door to make sure everything's all right. And she flies out to the back garden and has a look. And that click sound today, silence. Nothing. Wow. It's weird. It is weird because you know yourself when you've got a dog in the house, you, for them not to be there is just quite odd because they're pretty much everywhere you go at all times yeah. going, what are you doing? Does this involve me in any way? <laughs> yeah, they are the rhythm of your life. That's They've a great way that. of putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it's very strange when the sort of percussion section disappears. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think uh, it will be worth it. You'll have a great time. Yes. And listen, to go on holidays is luxury and uh, globally, economically, things are tricky. But mm. anyone who can get away, you've got to do it, guys. You've got to do it. It's important. Give your head peace. Yes, exactly. Right. So, yeah, so I, I've come back, um, you know, not really knowing anything about Arsenal, to be honest. Well, that's okay, <laughs> so but that, you, you, this will be a good podcast. Yeah, you came back to a star in a film. I saw uh, some uh, haircuts going on as well. Yeah, I've had different haircuts, yeah. Mm. Some, in fact, I've currently got almost no hair, and I will tell you, Andrew, that mm -hmm. more than one person has messaged me to say that I've adopted the arse blog look. <laughs> so you, you should feel greatly honoured. They have also that. said that I look like um, uh, a mixture of sort of uh, Vin Diesel, Bruce Willis, and a lot of people saying, right, said Fred as well. So oh, that's not a good one. Well, it's a good month for that. Happy Pride, everybody. Do you know what I mean? Finally, I, I sort of look like the gay icon I've always hoped to be. Um, but no, it, yeah, it's been... Uh, and I met Mark Strong, who, who in a way must have inspired this look. Well, you know, of course. He's been, he's been rocking it for years. Acting Baldy, I think, as he's known uh, in exactly. the industry. Um, and an Arsenal fan, of course, as well. So you must have had good Arsenal chats. We did. He, I hope you won't mind me saying. He was telling me about... He managed to sort of blag his way into... Um, Oh, what's it called? The big game soccer aid. Yes. And because he's of like Italian uh, heritage, he played for the rest of the world against <laughs> England. And the advantage of that was it meant he spent three days preparing for the game and playing the game under 
Arsene Wenger. Wow. As his manager. That's for an Arsenal much, fan. Yeah. That's up there. Of of you know that generation as well. I'm not uh, suggesting he is um anything other than a veteran of course, but when you've lived through the entire Arsene Wenger era to oh. then be coached by the man himself must have been an amazing amazing thing. You, you know when that embarrassing thing, did you ever do that thing at school where you accidentally call your teacher mum or dad? Yeah. I think I would do that with Arsene Wenger all the time if he was coaching me. Call him mum. Just be like, Dad. Mum. Um, yeah, mum. Uh, sorry, Mr. Wenger. Um, he's sort of been that big a figure in, in my life, really. Yeah, I mean, that's that's impressive. So, yeah, we'll we'll work our way around uh, the Arsenal stuff that is going on. And just before we get into that, um, I just want to say that we have had and, and continue to have um, questions about a legal matter which we cannot discuss in any way because, of course, it is a legal matter. So it's not a question of ignoring it or anything like that, but restrictions mean that we cannot reference uh, that particular matter in any way. So I just wanted to get that out there so when people are listening to this, they're not thinking that we're deliberately not talking about something for whatever reason. It's just that it, it cannot be talked about and, um, you know, hopefully hopefully people understand that. So Call us crazy but we're going to obey the law. Mm. We're a couple of squares, I guess, Andrew. <laughs> That's true. That is true. It's a, it's a wise move most of the time, I would say. Yeah. There are some uh, laws. You know. yeah, yeah, no, I think generally advisable. Um, but we've played a game, Andrew. We have. We have. I didn't watch it live. No, of course not. Me neither. Right? I didn't watch it live, but I did watch... I'm kind of glad I didn't watch it live because I was sort of otherwise engaged doing some other things, but I was able to sort of keep half an eye on Twitter at the time. And, and by halftime, when it was 2-0 down, I thought that we were losing the Champions League final to uh, Bridlington Rovers. It is kind of insane, isn't it? I, yeah. I was exactly the same because I was, although I'd come back to England, I was still technically on holiday and I thought, I'm not going to... Um, you know, invest the time to mm. watch the entirety of this 90 minutes at, at this particular point. But mm. I will check in online. And my God, <laughs> it was scary out there. It really was. It really was. Nevertheless, I'm glad that in the second half, we managed to turn things around and score some goals. And the big story, of course, is is uh, Gabriel Jesus. And we, we had a number of questions about, about him and what he did and everything else. Um, let me see if I can find one. So here's one from the Discord. Uh, from GM Arsenal, who said, I know it's only preseason, but how exciting is it to see uh, Gabriel Jesus, uh, uh, I know his name, Gabriel Jesus, get off the mark in such convincing fashion. He is such a breath of fresh air from last season's striking options. And of course, all the usual caveats apply. It's only preseason. The goals don't count, etc., etc., etc. But there is a certain element of like a player whetting your appetite for the season ahead when you see them pull on the shirt for the first time and do what he did in 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 that particular friendly. Yeah, I I completely agree and and so quickly, I mean 90 seconds I think he was on the field when he scored the first goal and what a brilliant goal. Yeah. That is as well, you know, going down that right-hand channel where he played so much football for Man City last season. I mean, he can run, he can dribble, he can, you know, receive the ball under pressure. He can shoot. I mean, we've made a big step forward already in the attacking department. 
You know what, though? I mean, it's it's. I think the first goal that he scored was really quite um, emblematic of, of what's to come, in a way. And all the things that people talked about, you know, his ability to press. And that's where it came from. He was... Um, alert to pick up the ball off a defender in midfield who took a heavy touch, started the move, combined well, got into the box, having dropped deep, which again is that step forward that you're talking about, the ability for our centre forward to be deep and then be in the opposition box to cause threat, uh, combined well with Eddie Nketiah, and what a finish. I mean, what a finish that is at the near post. Yeah, brilliant strike, and uh, just a great start. I mean, of course it's a friendly, but it matters to that a player starts to feel settled at a club. And one of the things that struck me, I, I think it's because I just sort of haven't followed Manchester City that closely, is you know how good his English is. I know he's been here a number of years now, but mm. he, he just seems a very good fit for the squad. And you know, there's a Brazilian contingent there, but you know he seems to be mixing with everybody. Uh, there was some nice stuff on social of him, like hanging out with Martinelli and Ian Wright and. He, he, he's got a smile on his face. That will have been helped by a couple of goals. He'll be feeling very good about himself right now. And we want to keep him feeling that way going into the season. Um, yeah. I, I thought I thought the first goal was brilliant. The second one is a, a pretty good finish, actually, off the outside of the boot. Makes that look very, very easy. And he might have had a couple more. I mean, certainly one of the own goals could well have been his had the defender not got to it. Yeah. And... Yeah, listen, it's not the the most intense match in the world, the greatest competition, but that's not really the point. The point is, can you see attributes and qualities there that you think will improve us? And I can't imagine anyone watching that and reaching another conclusion. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I liked as well the... like. I don't know if we talked about this or maybe we didn't talk about it because you were away last week after the signing was was made official. Uh, yeah, because obviously I was talking to Tim. Um, eventually. 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 But, but the, the behind-the-scenes video, you know, on his first day where he was being shown around the training ground, he was doing his medical bits and pieces, you know, seeing the doctor being brought into the, the uh, I don't know, do you call it a canteen? Does canteen mm-hmm. sound a yeah. little bit too, you know... Um, lowbrow, whatever it is. But anyway, where they eat at the training ground, there were a couple of young players going around, but he made the point of saying hello to everybody. It wasn't a case that like the guy who worked in the kitchen, there was a guy just standing outside the kitchen, for example, and he went over to shake hands with him. And Mm. these two young players who were coming down the stairs, he said, hi, nice to meet you to those guys. You know, that, that sort of element of his character, I think is really interesting because look, First and foremost, it is his qualities as a footballer that are going to, uh, you know, that have driven our interest in him and made us pay the money for him because we have needs in that regard, right? But I think there's something about his character as well, which is really refreshing seems to be, is probably the wrong word. But, you know, when he was asked, uh, do you feel any pressure to be the superstar here at Mm. Arsenal? Because you're now the superstar of the team. And he said, I'm not here to be the superstar. I'm not here to be the man. I'm here to help and to learn and to win together. And I think that that if anything that you uh, can take away from Mikel Arteta's time in charge is that he is very, very, very focused on the power of the collective, if you know what I mean, both Mm -hmm. in the team between the team and the fans, you know, we talked about this last season where he was trying to build that relationship to sort of create this idea of 
connection between fans and the team, which um, then generates atmosphere in the stadium or the away games, whatever it is. I think he's had, and we all know what these are, you know, some some individual issues to deal with during his time. Um, And he is keen to make sure that the people he brings in can buy into that idea of collectivism, if you want to call it that, Arteta's collectivism. And, And he very much fits that as well as being a really, really good player. Absolutely. And I think, you know, words Arteta has used are unity, humility, um, and Gabriel Jesus does seem to exemplify some of those qualities. And, and that was the advantage of this signing always. You know, any transfer comes with variables and unknowns mm. and things that can't be guaranteed. But I guess Arteta and Edu felt they could guarantee the nature of Jesus's character. You know, you can't always predict how on-field chemistry will work or how a player will settle, but you can know the person and they both know this person really well. Um, And so I'm not surprised Mm. that he fits a lot of the criteria that we know Arsenal have been looking for. I mean, something I found really interesting before, was it before Arsenal announced the signing that City maybe put something out about his departure or similar timing? Yeah, Yeah, there are thereabouts, yeah. He's been a big part of their success. And I was just kind of reading through the comments and seeing the regard in which City fans hold him. And they've had some pretty good players over the years. And one of the things that really struck out to me was so many of them talked about this is a guy who always turns up. It doesn't matter what the occasion is, what the fixture is. It could be away from home. In fact, it often is away from home. And he'll give exactly the same level of performance. And I think... That always speaks to a player's character because I think when you are away from home playing in a, a more challenging environment, that's when that gets tested. So yeah, I, I'm really encouraged by the early signs. I even thought there were some good signs of rapport with Eddie and Ketia, and Arteta spoke afterwards about you know that being an option yeah. for Arsenal this season. Probably not, I would imagine, starting many games, but I can I can certainly see scenarios where they would both be on the field. Yeah, um, for sure. For sure. I mean, the two own goals basically came about from great work by Eddie and Ketty. I mean, the yeah. was it the first or the second one? I can't remember, but it was a left-footed shot which absolutely smashed back Oof. off the yeah. um, off the crossbar or the post or whatever it was. And and he did really well to make space for himself uh, as well to to get that shot away. And look again, it's preseason, quality of the opposition, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, he is a young player, still relatively young player who has made or taken a step forward. You know, with those games he got at the end of last season, you know, I didn't I didn't ever see him doing that for us. You know, scoring yeah. in the Premier League with that kind of consistency. I don't quite remember. Is it five goals in 10 games, something like that, but a goal every other game, basically. Uh, he was obviously confident because he talked about it on, on the podcast that he did that time. Um, but that is a step forward, and it's not to say that he is going to be the next superstar striker at Arsenal or anything like that, but it does augur well when it looks like early on in preseason he can continue that. And I think that relationship that you mentioned between himself and Gabriel Jesus, I think that might be important next season um, because, you know, there are going to be games where both of them are on the pitch at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're going to be getting two or Jesus yeah. is in a wide position. Um, you know if you're chasing a game, I guess they're 
going to be mm. two of our principal goal scorers, hopefully. Um, and we had a question kind of about Eddie more broadly, which was from JDH at JDH underscore 14, who said, how excited are you by Eddie and Ketia this season? And what are your expectations of him? I mean, I don't know that I would necess- necessarily say I'm excited because you kind of get excited by somebody like Gabriel Jesus. You know that way. Big mm. signing, comes in from a big club, has all the pedigree, has the the quality, and, and you're looking for him to basically fill a gap in the squad where where there was a gap and then Eddie filled it for a while. Um, I mean, I do wonder, it's a complete hypothetical, of course, but like if Eddie and Kedia had been signed from, I don't know, Reading or something, you know, at, at his age with his profile, would people think of him slightly differently? I don't know. It's a question of familiarity breeding contempt, but we've known about Eddie for such a long time. And I think and I'll be I'll say I was guilty of this myself pretty much wrote him off mm-hmm. from an Arsenal perspective because of what was going on with his contract because of everything that was going on uh, other players ahead of him uh, the fact that we all knew Arsenal were going to sign a striker this summer I didn't think it was going to happen for him but but he got that run at the end of last season I hope he can continue it I'm I'm more interested in Eddie than excited by Eddie if that makes sense but yeah. I, I do think, you know, 10... I mean, he got 10 goals last season, didn't he? Mm. So maybe you're looking for 15 in all competitions when you take into account Europa League, Cup games, things like that, and the Premier League minutes he's going to play. You know, 15 goals in all competitions is probably what you would be looking for as a minimum from your, in inverted commas, second-choice striker, Right. Yeah, I think if we'd if we'd bought somebody in, we'd probably be thinking about that sort of total. I, I, it's interesting. I mean, I I can't remember when, but I feel like a couple of our listeners probably remember better than me. But I feel like a couple of recent seasons, I have said at the start, I you know, I think Eddie might do all right. He might get ten goals. Like he's when people have said, "Who's your dark horse or your person you think might surprise people?" Mm. I think more than once I've said Eddie, and and generally I've been wrong. Um, I probably didn't say it this season, knowing uh, my luck and my judgment. But I am a little excited by what he produced at the end of last season. Mm. <clears throat> I'm conscious that it's still a really small sample size. You know, statistically yeah. and data-wise, the way he performed in that run-in, he profiles like one of the top strikers in the league. And, you know, if you if you see those charts, which are like, you know, map all strikers against each other. Eddie's like right up there. Yeah. Crikey. But of course it's a small sample and his ability to produce that consistently is still in question. I do just think that, you know, we talked about the sort of psychological benefit, the boost for Gabriel Jesus of those couple of goals on his debut. I do wonder about the benefit it might be for Eddie to have had this degree of faith from the manager in terms of the contract, the squad number, the place in the plans. Mm. It seems to me that attackers, perhaps more than any other position, do thrive on that level of confidence. You know, form and streaks are so evident in in goal scorers. Um, And I I just think it it might push him to another level. I, I won't say it will, but like you, I'm interested to see if he can maintain this level of performance. He looked really sharp 
I thought um, in the friendly on Friday from the bits and pieces I saw. Yeah. And I think he will play plenty of minutes. I mean, you mentioned the cup competitions. I think he'll get Premier League minutes too. Um, so, yeah, I'm really curious to see how he gets on. It, you have to be fair to Mikel Arteta to a certain extent. He has always maintained publicly that he really believes in Eddie Nketiah. Um, you'd like, like to, th- yeah. You'd like to think that's based on you know what he's seeing at the training ground, and it would be fantastic if, if that translated. I think while everyone, there are very few Arsenal fans who can say they've not had their doubts about Eddie's progress and development at one time or another. Sure, but I, I think every Arsenal fan would be delighted if he can justify his place and score those fifteen goals. I mean, it goes right back to the start. With Mikel Arteta and Eddie yeah. Nketiah, because he was, back, on, he, he, he was on loan at Leeds, and I think things were going poorly. I don't know if he was called back or if he decided that he wanted to come back or, you know, do something else. But, you know, it was, what was it, the January of 2020 when he came back from Leeds, and he hadn't really been playing a great deal because no. Patrick Bamford was in the team. and He had and been scoring. He had scored he early on, yeah. yeah. But then, you know, he came back and everyone's going, well... He's going to go on loan again, you know, Mikel Arteta, but he kept him. Mm. And his message throughout regarding Eddie has been consistent, that he thinks he's, you know, good enough. Um, and he's like, always picked him, in fairness. No, no, he hasn't. I mean, he, ha- he, he hasn't backed up the, the show of faith in words with time on the pitch, but I do think that there have been some mitigating circumstances in that regard. Like, you know, you had Aubameyang, you then had Lacazette. um, But basically he's decided that Lacazette wasn't good enough to get a new contract and Eddie Nketiah was good enough to get a new contract. And this is a guy who knows his team needs to score more goals. I don't think you make a decision like that with Eddie Nketiah because you know, you you like him, you think he's a nice guy, he's come through the academy. You don't make decisions like that about your squad makeup, you know, because you just like him. Mm. You know, you, you just don't. Um, so I think there is obviously still plenty for Eddie to prove, but it does feel like he's taken a step in, in the right direction in the last few months. And uh, hopefully it continues because, you know, He's always scored goals at whatever level he's played at on a consistent basis when he's had consistent time, you know? Um, so if he can bang them in. It's a year for him as well. Yeah. It's not really an Arsenal concern, I guess, but he's got a big decision to make about his international future. Mm. Um, Ghana obviously goes to the World Cup and they've been actively recruiting players. Tarek Lamptey of Brighton, I think, has signed up to play for them. And then Yaki Williams, um, he's been playing, in, I think, represented Spain, maybe at youth level. And, I, you know, I know they're working really hard to try and get Eddie to commit to play for Ghana. So mm. he might even play in a World Cup this year. Wow. I mean, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something yeah. for him? Um, Mohamed El Nenny Screamer as well. Of course. Can't not mention that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen... He strikes the ball very cleanly. Mm-hmm. I, I hear he was uh, quite impressive when he came on. And um, yeah, again, it's the context. But I, I, I do think that uh, that acquisition, that sort of signing him up along with Eddie on a sort of relatively short-term deal mm. um, feels 
pretty sensible one and gives us a bit of stability in that area of the pitch. But yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, he doesn't, he's, he doesn't score bad goals, Mohamed El Nani. No, that's true. I don't think I've ever seen him score anything other than a fucking screamer. He barely gets in the box, so they've got to be decent. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, just trying to think of, of all goals. his goals, yeah. Like the one against Barcelona. There yeah. was one in Europe, not last year, obviously, but maybe the season before. Mm. Um yeah, I'm, I've He's forgotten. got a ping on him, basically. You know, he, mm. he can hit the ball clean in a straight line very effectively. Yeah, um, it's a good, good skill to have. This is useful as a footballer. Yeah. I mean, defensively, we weren't uh, at our best, it's fair to say. I mean, also, to be fair, defensively, I'm not sure we were at our strongest. No, Kieran Tierney got half an hour, didn't he? Which was important for him. I think. Yeah, that was another that was another um, example of the online <laughs> panic. You know, apart from sure. being two 0 down at halftime, he's off after thirty minutes. Oh my god, he's dead. Um, but that was pre-planned. Pre-planned. Well, I mean, planned. Planned is the word. You don't need to pre-plan a plan, do you? Do you? How how pre can you plan a plan? A plan yeah, is a plan. I don't know. When does a plan become a pre-plan? I don't know. Do you uh, plan to make the plan? Is that that's a pre-plan. It's a plan. It's premeditated. It's pre-ordained. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just a plan, I think. <laughs> I think it is. Um, but yeah, and I gather he was doing some, you know, warm down stuff on the pitch at half time. Um, I mean, you know, he, he's uh, it, it's he's a really important player currently in the, in the team and. We'll need him for the start of the season, so yeah. Hopefully, they can. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't have any setbacks. Yeah. I, you, I do worry about his fragility. You know, I, I, he has a he has missed a lot of football, even in his short time. Yes, yes. I mean, that's. Uh, I think a discussion we've had before, and we'll probably have again at some point, but maybe not today. Um, I had a question actually, by the on. way, about the first goal we conceded, which again. Uh, picked up some traction online. And Ben Krempel, uh, who's at 73 Vintage Guna, with tongue firmly in cheek, I think, says, Matt Turner is here to push Aaron Ramsdale to be the best he can. While we're admittedly only one preseason game in, do you think Rambo will be booking an extra week's holidays at this point? <laughs> it is one of those where it, it looks bad for a goalkeeper when it goes in as straight as it does. But look, even the best goalkeepers of... Um, let in some shocking goals down the years. So I think it's a bit soon to make any definitive judgment about Matt Turner. I think if you asked him, would he feel happy with the save he attempted to make? He'd say no. But look, I'm not going to lose my shit over a screamer though. I mean, I think if an Arsenal player had scored that goal, would we say it's a brilliant goal or a terrible save? We'd say it's past him before he can move. Yeah, exactly. I guess. It's now, just the I, quality I, I of the strike. Would, I think he would expect to do better. But, I, you know, this happens. Goalkeepers, I think he, I think making saves is a bit like scoring goals. I, I think most top-level goalkeepers, they're all capable of an unbelievable save. Mm. And they're all capable of things that look pretty bad, you know. And, and I think this one did look bad. But from everyone I've spoken to about Matt Turner the one consistent thing that everybody has unequivocally said is he is a fantastic shot stopper. And look, this one got past him, but I don't think as his Arsenal career goes on, that is going to be 
the question over him. I think, you know, agility, reflexes, making saves is mm. where he's really, really strong. So, so I think given that, he'll probably be especially disappointed on his first Arsenal appearance to have let that one past him. But I'm sure he'll um, want to put that behind him. And, you know, a big period coming up for him because he'll be returning to the States very early on as a, an Arsenal player. Yeah, and like he was in the team because, um, like maybe he'd have been in there anyway, but there was no Bernd Leno. Not in the squad. Not no. in the squad. And the reporting is that he wasn't in the squad because there is a move to Fulham pretty much done and dusted. Getting close. Getting close. Getting yeah. close. Uh, um, so they didn't want to think- risk him, you know, having to break his wrist, saving that, that shot. <laughs> no, and... Uh, I think we spoke about this, uh, you know, a few weeks ago when uh, the interest was first came out. I think he there were things about Fulham that appealed and things that didn't. I mean, obviously the appeal is it's the Premier League, it's London, but I think he wanted to see, you know, a bit more of their ambition and their plans for the team and the squad mm. building. But I think he's now of the mind that Fulham would be a suitable destination. And now it's just about putting the pieces together for the deal. I don't know the amount, but the reporting in Germany said about £10 million, £11 million. That's it's £4 million more than you said. Yeah, yeah. So We're I well think that's all right. And and don't get me wrong, I think they're getting a very good goalkeeper for that price. And I think, uh, I think Fulham, he might have quite a few shots to save and I think he'll look very good doing it because yeah. he's a great shot stopper too. He is a great shot stopper. No two ways about it. Um, what else have we got going on? Well, I mean, the other thing that, that sort of happened this week is slightly away from Arsenal was was Jack Wilshire retiring. Yeah. Um, how did you feel? How did that, um, in the first instance, just the news that he was hanging up his boots, what was your reaction to that? Um, I wasn't surprised, to be honest. Mm. I think the writing has been on the wall in that regard for, for some time, you know, when he was available um, and nobody took a chance on him. I don't know whether, I don't know how things work in the football industry, whether just word goes round about a player that, you know, it's done for him based on conversations that people might have coaches. And I don't mean like to say they're, they're, how do I put this? I mean, just general conversations, you know, about a player's ability or his level or his fitness or whatever it might be. But it seemed if there was still a player in there, somebody more than, was it, what's the name of the team in Denmark? Aarhus. I apologize to any Danish listeners if I'm um, pronouncing that wrong. And I don't mean to sort of um, do them down either, but nobody in Europe was willing really to take him on. Um, there was talk no. of like an Italian Serie B team, something like that. So it wasn't really a surprise. Um, it's sad though, isn't it? Because he's only just gone 30. And when you think about the talent, the potential he had to retire at 30, having had such an injury-plagued career, it is really a shame, you know, because there could have been a really great player in there. And I think at the time that he emerged from our academy, he was by some distance the best player to come out of Arsenal at youth level for a long time, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. I know we've, um, we've had some breakthroughs in, in recent years as well, but in terms of purely homegrown, someone who's been at the club since they were 
six years old or whatever it was, the excitement around him was was huge. And um, I don't know. I mean, how do you look back on his career? I mean, I think there's a mix of things in that maybe he was overplayed at an early age. Maybe there were times when he could have said, I'm injured and didn't because I think when you're a young player, there's a tendency to just want to play and play through the pain when in reality, the best thing is to to sit it out. But when you're just making your breakthrough, I think there's that desire, isn't there, to show that you're you're tough or whatever. And then that's coupled with some bad luck, some really bad challenges on him, which caused injuries. And yeah, it's, it's a combination of things, I think, that really wrecked his, his playing career. Yeah, I think obviously there's a kind of... Um a susceptibility to injury that's kind of ingrained in, in yeah. certain players that they, you know, and that's something that happens all through sport and football and that can't be controlled. But I do think there were other factors that impacted things for Jack, impacting the operative word maybe. I mean, I, I think um, his playing style, mm. he, he was a guy who it, invited uh, challenges. That was the way he played the game. Um, and he was so brave on the ball. And he had a kind of devil-may-care attitude with the ball at his feet. And he would wait to the last moment and jink away from people. And mm. he absolutely had the skill and ability to do that. But A, you're going to get caught sometimes. And B, if players fear you're going to do that to them, sometimes they'll take steps to stop you. And stylistically, I think he found himself just coming under such a kind of battering of challenges that that almost had a cumulative effect too. Yeah. Um, yeah. You need to be robust, don't you, to play in that way because yeah. you're going to get kicked, you're going to get scraped, you're going to get stood on, you're going to get just clumsy challenges from guys who can't live with how quick your feet are. So if you're not naturally robust or resistant to injury, mm. it's going to... Or if you sustain back. one big injury that, mm. you know, creates uh, knock-on effects. So, yeah, I think the physical side um, w was a real issue for him, obviously. But I, I do think he was just fantastic. And I think he'll probably, I mean, he'll be remembered for lots of things. You know, I've seen that Norwich goal doing the rounds and that was kind yeah. of, you know, the felt like the kind of culmination, the crowning moment of Arsene Wenger's football ideology in some respects. Yeah. Tuck, 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 goal. And for an academy player to put it in. You know, you made that point. We had had Cesc come through not long before, but I think as much as he felt like ours, we also knew in some respects he wasn't. And yeah. So it proved to a certain extent when he went back to Barcelona. But Jack... You know, he's from Stevenage, not too far from the training ground. Um, been with the club since he was a little boy, basically. Mm. Um, it was a very special thing. And that night that Arsenal played Barcelona and, you know, we'd had the stories, I think, that summer of Barcelona talking about Sesk's um, Barca DNA and how he had yeah. to come home and Jack strutting out onto the Emirates and showing them what Arsenal DNA looked like. It was a really special performance and certainly 
I think the one I remember him for most yeah, fondly. I think so. Yeah, but, we had a question there from Seb three thousand. Gooded for Jack, but what was your favourite Jack moment? And it's hard to look beyond that particular game. Mm. And you know, I know that departing players, if they want to curry favour with fans or whatever it is, will say certain things. But I always remember when Cesc left and he talked about Arsenal's midfield with Jack and Aaron Ramsey. And like, if those two guys had been fitter, Mm. I think we'd be talking about them in much different terms. You know? Yeah, that's certainly true. Talent wise, in terms of British midfield players. Yeah. They're right up there. And, yeah, I, I think uh, it was kind of a dual thing of being like, oh, my God, Jack Wilshire's 30 <laughs> for a start, which was mm. – he, he kind of feels both older and younger, if you see what I mean. Yes. Because <laughs> he's always like our youth sensation Jack, but it's also been clear for probably two or three years that he was basically at the end of his career. Um, I, I guess what is nice – is that he's at the start of another one. And I'm excited for him about that. And I really hope that he can fulfill his potential in what remains of his life, which is, a you know, a huge chunk. This is only really about, you know, I know it feels like he's been around forever, but he is still only 30 and he's got so much ahead of him still. Yeah, I mean, he, you referenced that. I don't know if you just said it explicitly or not, but he is coming in to be the new under-18s yeah. um, coach or, or part of the under-18s coaching staff, which is, you know, fantastic for him. And this is obviously, I would say, part of the reason why he decided to hang up his boots because, you know, he's got another career opportunity. He's got it at the club that he really loves. Um, you know, it remains to be seen what kind of a what kind of a coach he is. And I hope that his coaching career, I don't mean to be disrespectful, is is maybe more successful than his playing career because, you know, injury is not going to impact that in the same way. But I'm I'm really curious to see how he gets on because Look, I am not by any means a talk sport listener, um, but I've seen a few clips doing the rounds with Jack, and he's usually on with, is it Darren Bent? Mm, Could be, yeah, he works for them. He's been on a few things, and I've been really impressed with how he's dealt with those live radio situations where... You know, he's either having to stick up for Arsenal or he's defending a decision or whatever it might be. I think he's a smart guy, you know, and that could translate very well into his into his coaching. And I'm sure discussions that he's had with Per Mertesacker and everything else about what they want to do with the team and how they want the team to be coached, um, because I do think there is a holistic approach to that at Arsenal these days under Per Mertesacker and the academy. I'm I'm curious to see how he gets on, and best of luck to him. It's a, it's a great chance and a great opportunity, and uh, you know, fingers crossed, he can do the business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, you know, he's going to be the under eighteen head coach. I think he's going to be assisted by uh, Adam Birchall and Julian Gray, who both yeah. players in the Arsenal Academy. That's good, think, isn't it? In a way, yeah, it's nice yeah. to keep these Arsenal people around. And I agree with you. I think Jack is smart. Whenever you hear him talk, I think he's eloquent, intelligent. Um, people won't thank me. For, Arsenal fans won't thank me for the comparison, but it reminds me a little bit of uh, Wayne Rooney. They both had, um, 
I think, a similar attitude on the pitch. And I think both were perceived as as lads, you know. Mm. But um, when you actually heard Rooney talk football, I think you could see that his engagement with it was very, quite serious and quite thoughtful. And, mm. and his coaching career in the early days has been relatively promising and he's coped with an unbelievably difficult situation at Derby County really impressively. Um, and Jack, I think, has similar potential, I think. And he, again, like Rooney, is is a football obsessive. I mean, Jack yeah. loves football and he loves Arsenal. And Arsenal loved having him there last season when he was you know, doing work with the academy and training with the first team, which he was for quite a long period in the first yeah. half of last season. Yeah. The players loved having him there. And one of the sort of slight sort of tinged with sadness things is how good they will tell you he was in training. Um, and he never really lost his quality. It was just his ability to produce it consistently and, and compete on a physical level. So, yeah, I, I really am pleased he's staying in the club and I, I really wish him all the best in yeah. his new job. Likewise. Okay, well, I think this will be a good time to take a little break. We've got lots of questions, of course, to come, uh, transfers and other bits and pieces going on. So we'll get into those uh, right after this. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog, also on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. And if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon, we've just started our 2022-23 Fantasy Football League big prizes. Uh, so get on board there, patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. You know what happened last year? I picked a team probably around October. Um, like I stayed to try and finish bottom. Yeah, stayed invested until October, and I picked a team replete with injured players: two injured goalkeepers, all the defenders injured, all the midfielders injured, all the forwards injured, and then forgot about it completely. Didn't change a thing between then and the end of the season, and ended up with four hundred disgusting points. 
Wow. Like I was not high up the league or anything, but I was not close to the bottom, which is annoying. Wow. I wonder who was guilty of picking up all those points. I don't you. know. I don't know. Probably just like, don't they get like a certain amount of points for appearances? And it yeah, must have yeah, been yeah. like 20 odd weeks with like three points or, you know, five points per game or whatever it was. But alas, there and you well, go. Well, you, you go again. We go again. This time, bottom it is, 100%. Um, do you want to start with the questions, or will I start? Uh, I've got a quite a fun one, okay. I think. From Jamie Murphy, at Jamie Murphy, Jamie underscore Murphy 8. Who are your predictions to be this season's El Nenny? A player seemingly surplus to requirements, yet works their way back in. And I guess relevant given that we saw Hector Bellerin mm. play for Arsenal, and... If uh, Lucas Torreira's agent is to be believed, he's been given the call up for the American tour. Yeah, we did. We had a load of questions about uh, Lucas Torreira. Stickers on the Discord, for example, said Lucas Torreira is going on the US tour. Do you think he's been reintegrated into the team or just putting him in the, the shop window? And I think the obvious answer is, well, he's got a contract with Arsenal. Mm. And... As much as he might want to leave, and as much as Arsenal might want to sell him, until such time as there's somewhere for him to go, right, he doesn't just get to fucking rock around in a hammock, does he? He's got to work. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. He, he came out and said, yeah, there's no chance of me going back to Arsenal. It's almost like Arsenal have said, oh, really? We'll see about that, mate. Yeah. Monday morning, report to work. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, listen, the composition of the tour squad is always interesting because got players in different physical conditions a load of guys i think go back to training tomorrow who've been on who were involved in the internationals that's true when you look at the names i mean the squad i was looking at the squad over the weekend going it's a bit bit light isn't it mm -hmm. it's sort of, but then you look at who's coming back and it's ramsdale um tommy asu saka saliba martin odegaard i mean yeah Decent additions to the squad. Like a new signing, every one. Yeah, of every them. single one, yeah. Um, I tell you what, this is sort of a... I mean, I don't mean this to be a kind of a ethical discussion, but you can't enter America as a foreign national, I believe, unless you're vaccinated. Really? I think I'm right in saying that. Might be worth Googling in case this is wrong. Right. But um, th that is my understanding. And my understanding is also that Arsenal are very nearly, like very close to fully vaccinated at this point. But obviously there, when um, there were one or two players who, you know, there was things reported around them about maybe perhaps them not being vaccinated. I think it was in the Swiss press about Granit Xhaka when he picked up COVID that he wasn't vaccinated. So it'll be interesting to see if he's in the tour squad, essentially, because I'm not sure he can enter America if he's not. Right. But I know Arsenal have done a lot of work behind the scenes to kind of, and Arteta has spoken about this, um, you know, persuade players to undergo vaccination, um, partly because of, you know, how much easier it makes international travel. Um, hmm. I'm just, so yeah, I'm just Googling here. You must be fully vaccinated with the primary series of an accepted COVID-19 vaccine to travel to the United States by plane. If you are a non-US citizen, 
non-U.S. immigrant, et cetera, et cetera. Only limited yeah. exceptions apply. But then there's another one. Uh, as of 12.01 a.m. on June 12th, uh, CDC will no longer require air passengers traveling from a foreign country to the U.S. to show a negative COVID viral test or documentation of recovery from COVID. That That's separate from vaccine. That's separate. Yeah, I, st- <sighs> I think you still need a vaccine. I, I say this partly because I travel to America on, on Wednesday for the tour. Um, and obviously it is private the choices that people make about vaccinations yeah. but um yeah it I, it will be interesting to see if arsenal can select the entirety of their squad i the last i knew arsenal were close if not there for fully vaccinated but it's something that all clubs have had to consider i think it the same is perhaps true if you're going to australia right um okay so yeah it's, it's been an interesting discussion funnily enough there was a piece in the telegraph yesterday about unvaccinated players struggling to get moves in this transfer window. So it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting sort of dimension to. Isn't there, isn't there like a piece of software that's used by football clubs when it comes to transfers? Am I making this up? Like there's a, like a scouting software type thing. There are various types. There are various ones. Like a database. Yeah, a platform through which you can make up. I wonder, is that part of, does that end up being part of their profile? Like right-footed, 5'2", non-vaccinated. I I, I wonder at what stage you find out. Do you know what I mean? You know, obviously you have a medical, but that's very late in the day. Um, Mm. I guess it's something as an agent, if your player was vaccinated, and you were knocking on doors of clubs, you'd probably advertise that. Yeah. You'd probably include that in your five-line pitch. Yeah. Um, mm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, just going back to Torreira for a Sorry, second, yes. and, 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 you know, what, what happens? I mean, I think probably, you know, he still wants to leave. Arsenal still want to sell him. But, you know, is there any value in the idea of a shop window during preseason or do teams just go, well, we know who's out there. Nothing a player does in preseason is going to make us make up our mind uh, to sign a guy. Like, look at what he did in this game. He played 45 minutes against whoever. That, he, that, that guy, yeah, let's do it based on that. I don't know that that's necessarily how it works, but maybe just the fact that he's there and front and center and part of something like surely his chances of getting a move are greater if he is involved with Arsenal rather than sort of training on his own in the local park you know that way I think so yeah but do you think to come back to the original question there's any chance that he can or will El Nenny his way back into contention I don't because I I think the crucial difference is that Elneny always wanted to be an Arsenal player. Yes. And even when he was sent away, that never changed. I agree. He wanted to come back. And Lucas Torreira is sort of in the opposite situation where he he actively doesn't seem to particularly want to be at Arsenal Mm. or in England. I'm just trying to think of those players who've come back from loan and who could make an impact. Hector Bellerin, I don't see it. I mean... It's hard to see it with any of them. You know, Pablo Marie, no thank you. Um, Ainsley, maybe. Reese Nelson, maybe. You could see how it would be possible, although I think it's really unlikely. Beyond that, though, I don't really see anyone who 
is going to displace whoever is there in a significant way. Of course, you know, El Nenny didn't play a lot last season either until, you know, True. coming to the end of the season. So it's hard to know, but I think I'd be surprised if, if there was another El Nenny this season, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I think I would probably, if I was taking a complete stab in the dark, I'm not saying that he'd come in and play especially well or that he'll be, you know, our saviour or hero, but someone who I could see sticking around is maybe Pablo Marie. I think... Do you think so? Yeah. I can, it's partly that I'm, I can envision a scenario where, you know, he doesn't get a, a move and he's part of the group um, and he plays some cup games. But I don't... There's no one who I'm looking at. You know, the Loney who you're, we're all looking at and thinking... Well, they could actually be good and helpful is probably William Saliba, right? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but from that list, and again, with Marie, the reason I say that is that I think, well, he'd probably quite like to be at Arsenal. Um, whereas in the case of sort of Hector, I think, you know, he wants a different challenge at this point in time. Um, hmm. I, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's difficult to say. I mean, Reese Nelson's an interesting one. Because Arteta did sort of show a slight predilection towards using him in his first season, but didn't last that long. Didn't did it? really last, no. So uh, there, uh, there isn't an obvious candidate. But then I guess the nature of these things is they're not obvious candidates. They yeah, yeah, exactly. They're surprising. It's hard to predict. It's hard to predict. Okay, here's one from um, Joachim Kruger. Who's that? Joachim Kruger too on Twitter. Who says, uh, "Goodly midday, gents. What do you make of the Kante rumors? Credible or just random rumor? Also, the links to uh, Lucas Paqueta is that close to being credible? He too is a left footer like Vieira and Odegaard." Hmm. I don't know actually on either of those two at this point in time, but. Kante, I, so as you know, like our lives are so focused on Arsenal. We don't, I don't always know what's going on at other clubs, but I did get the sense last season that Chelsea fans slightly fell out of love with N'Golo Kante over the course of the, the last campaign. Mm. Um, I think he wasn't performing at the level we've become accustomed to. Uh, and maybe that's no surprise. I mean, he's been maintaining it with incredible consistency for quite a long period and he's now over 30, he's 31. Mm. Um, I have been a massive admirer of his as a player, but I do think, you know, it's that signing an old player from Chelsea thing again, isn't it? Yeah, don't do it. Don't it do any more of that. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do any of that. I, I mean, Paqueta is a left-footed Brazilian attacking midfielder, which. I don't know what it is about that. It, it seems feels very awesome. A little bit familiar. I don't know why exactly, but uh, it feels like something we would do. I mean, yeah, he's a he's a good player, um, but I, 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 I at this stage, honestly, I don't know if Arsenal is seriously interested or, or not. As I say, yeah. I've been on holiday, guys. Yep. Okay. Well, you've got some uh, detective work to yeah, do. Yeah, back to week. work. Yeah. Come Monday. Back to work. Yeah. The old um, bloodhound McNicholas will be yeah. at it again. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question actually, which was kind of about transfers in the media, which I thought was interesting. Will Colgate at Aquafresh 92 um, says the heir to the Colgate empire, I presume. Well, hang on. He's called. His what? name is Will Colgate. Right. 
and his username is Aquafresh92. So and, uh, it, yeah. He's at least got a What's his website? Oralb.com? Yeah. Fuck. What's um, going on here? Oh, sorry. He is actually a, a, a tube of toothpaste. He is actually a tube of toothpaste with eyes and a mouth. That's uh, okay. who he is. Oh, well, that explains everything. Yeah. Um, so he says, do you think Arsenal are missing a trick by not using the media in the way clubs in Europe do to get interest in their players? Or are we not able to by not having papers which are heavily linked to the club, e.g. Marker and Madrid? That is an interesting question. Yeah, Um, because I I can't honestly speak to sort of the degree to which that's happening. I I don't know. I mean, what I will say is, yeah, if a club is interested, if a player is interested in a player from Madrid or Barca, then that story is probably getting amplified and talked about a lot in those mm. local medias in a way that might generate some sort of interest. But isn't it more the other way around? Isn't it more that agents, you know, particularly when you've got um, two or four newspapers on football to fill every single day, uh, which is slightly different from, you know, the back pages of the English papers and the sports mm. sections of the English papers. You've got, like, dedicated sports newspapers, you know, in Barcelona, uh, El Mundo, Deportivo, and Sport. Probably the first 12, 14 pages of every edition are about Barcelona. You know, that's a lot of fucking shit to cover, a lot of copy to to g- generate, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's – it is different. It's a different kind of media landscape. But – I always thought it was more like, let's say you've got a young up and coming player and an agent talks to a journalist who's got copy inches to, uh, to fill and talks about how Arsenal or Barcelona are interested in this player, even though they're not. But the idea of Arsenal or Barcelona being interested in this player sort of puts the player's profile in the public domain in a way which might spark interest or inquiries from other people. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's really interesting. I, at some point, I don't know when, but at some point I'd like to do a podcast where we talk about how sort of the whole of football reporting, in my experience, has worked. Because I think it'd be so interesting yeah. for fans. Like, So, for example, in the scenario you just gave, I couldn't run that. Like if so, if an agent came to me and said, Arsenal want to buy my player, yeah, I wouldn't be able to print that because it would be single sourced and therefore unreliable. I would have to corroborate that somewhere else on another side sure. of that deal. Now, whether or not that's because The Athletic is following more stringent editorial guidelines than other places, I, I don't have the breadth of experience to speak. Yeah, but I... But my suspicion is potentially. <laughs> potentially. I, I, I think there are certain outlets, certain publications, what, ha- what have you, who would not think twice about publishing that story. They go straight yeah. to it, you know, because between website clicks and then, like I said, having to fill a newspaper every day or whatever it is. And when perhaps you're, 
you're not necessarily as concerned with maintaining a reputation for accuracy. Is that a diplomatic way of putting that? Maybe, that, yeah. that yeah, I that, guess, yeah. If, yeah. You're, if you're just about throwing stuff at a wall and, you know, something will stick yeah. eventually, then then that's fine. And, and, and what's really interesting as well is there's a big cultural difference in Spain and particularly in Italy about the way football and transfer reporting works. I don't know if I've talked about this in here before, but in, in Italy especially, the links between journalists and agents are much stronger. They're, they're much more connected. I mean, in Italy, during the transfer window, they have a nightly TV show where agents come on and chat about deals they're doing. Mamma mia. Which, you know, is unthinkable. Yeah. If an agent goes public in England in any way, it's kind of a scandal or an English record very, very, yeah. an English agent, sorry, very rarely goes on the record. In Italy, they're having them on chat shows and they're saying, yeah, they got, we've got interest in this guy from this guy. Yeah, we want to do this deal, but this is the barrier. And, you know, the relationship is much more relaxed and the sort of, um, the business of transfer rumours in Italy, and this is why you see the emergence of, mm. of Di Marzio and Fabrizio, is much more... Uh, how can I put it? It's just more of a sort of infrastructure and it's much more just part of the machine. Sure. So, and, and Arsenal, it's not, and England, it's not like that. I mean, somebody asked me a question here, which said, question for James, what's it like when an agent or a club get in touch with a journalist about a potential transfer? How does that conversation go and what is expected of the writer? And and my response is, in England, it's almost never that way round. Like it is, in my experience, incredibly rare that a club or even an agent, certainly in Britain, mm. would tell you, by the way, this is happening. The The likelihood is yeah. you would hear it second or third hand or hear a whisper of it or a rumour and then have to go to these people and try and find out the facts. So, and, and I do get the sense that on the continent, it is a bit more different. The relationships are a bit more relaxed and the use of the media in the transfer game is maybe a little bit more common, mm. but I'm, I'm not sure I see in the sort of English football culture dramatically shifting to sort of emulate that more Mediterranean approach. Yeah. No, I don't think it will. And like, I do think the pressure of having to produce daily newspapers you know, yeah, particularly, particularly yeah. during the Gazette summer in Italy or whatever. It yeah, is, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a few of them in Italy as well, aren't there? You yeah. know, so th that kind of pressure, I think, goes hand in hand with that culture where, um, you know, maybe it's a bit more, a bit more open. Um, That's true. Like, for example, the English tabloids, if they have a transfer story, it's not that they will hold back or anything like that, but there isn't the pressure on the sun or the mirror or whatever it might be to produce a transfer story every day or more than one transfer story every day, or, you know, all of those kinds of things that, that, that really put a, um, put the pressure on the, the people making that content or that copy. Um, I think that's well, it's different. Like you say, filling like, you know, a dozen sports pages to an entire paper. Yeah. 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 Here's a couple, we had a couple of questions like this from, uh, one from the Discord, 
from East Mids Gooner, who mm-hmm. says, while the club never misses an opportunity to make money from fans, do you think it's right or even fair to charge for the viewing of preseason matches? And we also had one on Twitter as well, along the same lines, from Tom, at Tommy underscore Daniel underscore, who says, Arsenal is a merchandise or an organization that brings in hundreds of millions of pounds each year. What is the benefit of charging six pounds for a preseason game? Money it brings in is small change, but it really pisses off the fans. I did see quite a few tweets about this, I mm-hmm. have to say. And, and I have to be honest, I don't know. What was the deal? Is it £6 for just that one game? Or yeah. is it for all the preseason games? No, £6 for that game. And then I think, um, I'll have a look here, but going forward, you've got to purchase the games um, individually, I think. Right. Arsenal versus Everton. Um, there's nothing on the the page yet but i do think you have to pay for those as well i mean there might be so i saw some people saying that if you've got arsenal rewards points you can trade those in for no access to the matches works, or whatever <laughs> yeah six pounds yeah i i feel like to be honest i'd be fascinated to know what sort of numbers they got on that because Mm. I think for a lot of people, that would have been a factor in thinking, I'm not going to do it. You know, you'll get yeah. the highlights for free on the Arsenal YouTube channel where they are currently. And I think that price point, to me, feels a, a little steep. I know that everyone's, everyone's uh, you know, margins on this will, will be different. But I think, you know... Three quid, you're probably like, okay, fair enough. But six quid for a friendly game, knowing that you know there's other friendly games coming up yeah. against Everton and Chelsea, which I think probably going to generate more attention. I think a lot of people will have thought, oh, I'll give this one a miss based on that. Yeah, what I mean, do you it's, think? I think it's steep. I really do, and I, 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 you know, I think every club is doing it these days, are they? But um, you know, monetizing their preseason to the maximum uh, extent. But I reckon, you know, if you're an Arsenal member, if you're a season yeah. ticket uh, holder, for example, exactly. and you pay, I'm paying a grand a year already. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Uh, you know exactly. You know, um, stuff like that should be certainly free or heavily discounted for season ticket holders. And I do wonder as well, I think you're right. I think a load of people will be put off by six, but if you were to charge one ninety nine mm. and make it really easy, would you be better having a hundred people at six or a thousand people at one ninety nine? And we all know, um, what I think that if is, they said you know? it's a five and you get all the preseason games. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I, th- I would think, I think that'd be all right. Yeah. But it was six per game. I mean, like, you can get into some, you know, conference games for a little bit more than that. Like, in the flesh. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it doesn't quite feel right to me. Mm. So, yeah. Um, (laughs) What about this? Go on. Percy, who's at IU Serious, spelt like... uh, Jordan and Andre, are you? Um, <laughs> Percy says, do you think 50 million euros or more is too much to pay for what is essentially a backup left back in Martinez? Ooh. Um, I mean, I, it, it's it looks like that's what it will take, doesn't it? I mean, given yeah. what United have reported to be bidding. and I mean, yeah, clearly it is. If 
that is what he is. If he's a backup left back, no. You can't pay fifty million pounds for a backup left back. Yeah, but you don't pay thirty million pounds for a backup goalkeeper. Just because something we perceive is the backup. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's how it would play out. I think any, any investment of that nature that Arsenal make is for a player who's going to play. Exactly. Not somebody who's just going to sit there behind Kieran Tierney all, all season. Um, you know, there's been a discussion and we talked about it um, before about where exactly he might play. Like, he, he's, he's barely played at left back in his mm-hmm. career. I think like 90% of the games that he's played have been at centre half. Mm-hmm. So it seems more likely to me that he is potential cover for left bank, but also somebody who can play uh, at centre half as well. Although, you know, when I look at what we've got in the squad right now, we've got plenty of players who can play in that left-sided centre half position. Saliba can play there, Holding can play there, Gabrielle can play there, Tommy Asu can play there. I'm not saying they're the ideal solutions or anything like that, but you know these are guys who can who can fill that role. Um, like I, I'm fascinated to know what is exactly is driving the interest in in Martinez. I mean, he looks a very good player, good passing range, um, but what is what is the thinking behind our pursuit of him? Is it yeah, because I, mean, I, I think it, I think it is to play at left back, and that's that's not my opinion. That's what I have gleaned. You know, I think that's right. what Arsenal would want to do, and uh, and but I think the, the the mistake in the question is the backup aspect of that. I think that if he came, I I would predict that he would be probably our starting left back, and I suspect there's an element of the club looking at the amount of minutes Kieran Tierney has missed over the past two years and thinking we shouldn't be thinking about a backup. We mm. should be thinking about someone who's at least of that calibre I mean, who's going to play a lot of game time. I mean, It's not unreasonable for them to think that way. As much as we all love Kieran Tierney, it is not unreasonable for Arsenal to go every season there's been a significant absence. Yeah, and also they're very different players stylistically. I mean, it's difficult to know what sort of left-back Martinez is because, like you say, he's not played there a great deal. But um, from what I hear, they, they see him more as a, a Tomiyasu type, someone who can tuck into, you know, help the build-up in midfield, mm. do a job not dissimilar to kind of what Zinchenko has done, at left-back at Man City, um, kind of being a third midfielder at times, playing in a lot of those Granite Xhaka areas in our own half, building up the play. Um, and and they love him. They really love this player. My gut instinct says he joins up with his old manager at United. Mm. I think they want to play him as a centre-back. I mean, he's five foot nine. So would that worry you as a centre-back? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think five foot nine as a central defender in the Premier League is certainly a challenge. Um, I think I was talking to Tim um, on last week's show. We talked about certain defenders, particularly some South American defenders who've um, really made great careers at, cent- uh, at centre half, despite not being particularly tall. Um, we gave some examples as well, but in the Premier League, the physicality of it, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that would be a bit of a worry. But, I mean, as you're saying, they're looking at him more as a left-back. So, 
Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I think I'm with you, though. I think the the United is probably where he's going to go, and then it's a question of you know what we do next. Yeah, uh, and, if- how, and that 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 is an interesting question. You know, like how do you go down the list? How far down the list are you prepared to go? Do you are you happier to stick with what you've got if you can't get mm. the one? There's those- talk of the Grimaldo, isn't there, from Benfica? Right, yeah. Um, some stories so, doing the rounds. There's all, there's all there's all sorts of considerations at that point. I do think that if Arsenal were to get him, because he can play centre back, and I'm sure he would play centre back at times. Mm. You know, we had we've we've spoken once or twice on the pod about where could ask a surprise sort of departure be, mm. and I do think centre half is the area of the squad that looks heavy. Um, this is pure speculation on my part. You know, I, I have no information about this. But if you like, if Arsenal got Alessandro Martinez and then at the end of the window, Rob Holding was sold, for example. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised. That wouldn't blow my mind. And that could be something that we maybe don't see coming necessarily. But yeah, I, I, I've, you know, how certain players, I mean, I think, it, to be honest, I, I was like this with Rafinha as well. When you sort of start thinking about what a player could bring to the team and the qualities they've got, you know, you do sort of start to slightly fall in love with them. So it is a bit painful if they go in another direction. Yeah. Although I am enjoying Rafinha just sort of dragging it out and refusing to sign for Chelsea. Um, yeah, I mean, credit to him for that. Going, you know. <laughs> But at least we don't have to then sign him from Chelsea at 31. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, listen, obviously I wanted us to get that player and who knows, maybe it's not quite dead, but uh, if he's going to go somewhere else, I really hope it's Barcelona at this point. Yeah, same. Um, Let's do a couple of quick ones to finish us off. Connor, who is at IsYoursGold04, says, why do Arsenal never disclose how long the contracts are when we sign someone? It's always long-term deal. What is the benefit to not telling us? Um, I don't really know what the benefit is. Like, I understand the sort of privacy from a sort of market perspective of, well, maybe we don't know, want other clubs to know exactly what contracts our players have got. But the reality is that would be the first question Mm. any interested club would ask an agent. Do you know what I mean? So it's not exactly a secret. Um, And isn't all that information just sort of basically immediately on transfer marked and usually it's in the reporting isn't it of a new deal or a signing you know it's four plus one or it's five years that's it i mean arsenal will tell you if you ask them like if Mm. you if they do a signing and they've signed you know extra signed a new contract or whatever it is and you say how long is the contract like 90 percent of the time 95 percent of the time they'll tell you yeah like the elneny is one plus one they didn't announce that specifically i don't think but um that's what it is but yeah, I don't know why they don't make it public. I wonder if it's a privacy thing. Like, you know, we spoke about earlier things we can and can't talk about. I mean, Arsenal, uh, an Arsenal policy is that they do not discuss um, salaries of any staff, right? Yeah. And so I wonder if uh, it's like a privacy thing where they don't want to talk I I know it's different for footballers and it and it is different in the reporting but I wonder if it's a an HR thing Mm. essentially where it's like 
Yeah, we don't. Because some clubs do, don't they? they? Like you'll see an announcement and it'll be like, you know, uh, Aguero 26. And it'll be like he signed until that time. Or mm. Not a bad example because he's retired, but you know what I mean? Like they'll announce at the contract renewal when it runs the year um, in like a celebratory ma- manner. Yeah. And Arsenal don't do that. Um, but it is this sort of odd, curious thing where it's sort of available everywhere else. You'd think in a way Arsenal might want to take ownership of that. Yeah. Sometimes it's complex as well. Like, you know, Transfermarkt has become the, um, maybe not the gold standard, but the sort mm. of de facto resource for most fans to check this stuff. But there are inaccuracies in there. And particularly with Arsenal contracts, it's often the case that when deals get close to expiry, we realise, oh, there was an additional optional year that wasn't reported at the time. Mm. So sometimes there are little tricks like that. But, yeah, it's a curious one. I wonder if that will fade with time. I wonder Because it's so part and parcel, isn't it, of sport that contracts have a fixed term. Yeah. That it seems curious almost to... Call to the cups. Um, do they ever did, like when Onani signed? What did they say? I don't know. Because they can't have said long term contracts. No, they didn't. Arsa.com, El Nenny contract. I'm just Googling it here. Yeah, let's have a look. Um, Mohamed El Nenny signs Arsenal. Oh, no, that's okay. Mohamed El Nenny is signs extending his stay with us. Yeah. Mo has been a key member of the squad since joining us. He's made 147 appearances. Uh, he made his debut. He was part of the team that did this. I love this club, says Mo. I want to continue. Not a single word about the duration or length of the contract. Yeah, it just says he's extending his stay with us. Mm, mm. So, I don't know. I don't know. Um yeah, maybe there's something to do with salary or something like that, that if you combine length of contract with reported uh, salary or whatever it is, you're then revealing a player's earnings or something like that? Yeah, I think effectively it's that. It's like the club want to protect the... I never know if it's remuneration or remuneration. It's remuneration. Remuneration, it? yes. Uh, of Of the player's even though that is basically extremely difficult in the current yeah. media landscape. Here's a good one from yeah. Tom Woolsgrove, who's at Desmond underscore Dex, who said, Burnley, Stoke, Bolton, out of the way. Who shall now take up the mantle of team fueled by disproportionate fan hatred and who will despise our non-contact sport approach? That is a great question. Who are our new sort of bet noir. Mm. Um, wow. It's not the nastiest league, you know? True. <laughs> I've just had a look through it and just thought like, I don't have built up enmity with, um, now I don't know if it's enmity or enmity. I'm going mad. So <laughs> I don't have like a built up uh, antipathy for. It's enmity. Thank you. Many of these um, teams, I mean, obviously the sort of the big clubs, the rival clubs, mm. but in that sort of, you know, where we go there and they kick us and we look a bit sad and feeble. I mean, I unfortunately- think, I think it's going to be Leeds. Do you? Yeah. 
I but think they it, they've got all Ted Lasso. They're all like no, friendly. No, 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 no. They're not. They're not. Oh yeah, Ted they're Lasso. Not. They were, they're like true. whatever Ted Lasso's evil twin is called. Led Tasso. Yeah, <laughs> because remember we talked about this before the Leeds game. There was a graphic went up on Sky Sports, and it showed that Ted Lasso had, or evil Ted Lasso had. Uh, increase the number of tackles that Leeds make by 50% or something like that. So they averaged uh, 20 tackles a game. It was gone up to something like 32 or whatever it is. And I was thinking, you know, with that level of tackling comes greater chance of, you know, getting something wrong. And then we saw what happened with um, Luke Ayling, Martinelli, Rafinha going mental and evil Ted Lasso on the sideline not not liking it at all. So I think it's going to be Leeds because I think he will demand that kind of that level of get stuck inification um that will lead to a lot of physical encounters not just with us but but with a lot of teams. So they might emerge as those and maybe maybe you know, after the season that they've had, Everton, like, it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility that Lampard might think physicality is a way of addressing some of the tactical issues that he has. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I I wonder if, I think I'm going to say Palace, you know. Do you think uh, so? I know that they play good football and it's Patrick Vieira and we love him. Mm. But the way they beat us in March was very physical. Fair, but physical. Not dirty, though. Not dirty, but I just think they've given themselves a template. Maybe I'm just focused on that first game of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've given themselves a template of like get into Arsenal and we, we might get somewhere. And I think when I look at that league table and I think what are the away fixtures where I think, eee, mm. that's going to be tricky. Palace is right up there. Right. Um, and I'd say, and I'd say for similar reasons, Brentford, but dirtiness, I think it's Spurs, you know? Oh, well, Yes. I mean that. I know there's a lot going on there already to kind of amplify that rivalry. Yeah, I think with Conte, with Son, with Kane, Kane, Richarlison, um, Richarlison, uh, who's the centre back? Romero. Um, every single Tottenham fan, I think they're the yeah the nasty needle fixtures. Mm. Aside from. Aside from the obvious rivalry already. Okay. Richarlison and Spurs is the most perfect union since yes. Mourinho went there to manage them, yes. frankly. No, I agree. I agree. He is, you know, the way you look at a player and you think your face is so Tottenham. You just have a Tottenham face. And he has a Tottenham face. As much as um, Eric Lamella had a Tottenham face. Richarlison sure. has got a very, very Tottenham Did face. Did Craig Bellamy play for Tottenham? If not, that's a travesty. He had the face for it. He certainly did. I think he was too busy trying to beat people with golf clubs, so wasn't he? Sure. Um, but there you go. Okay, look, before we go today and before I go on my holidays, we had correspondence related to our old friends, the Magpies. <laughs> this comes from Damien in Adelaide. And this is the email that he sent to me. 
It's titled My Magpie Tale. Picture evidence available on request. And I just want to let you know before I read this out, I have requested the picture evidence, but it hasn't arrived yet. By the way, can I make a request? Yeah. I haven't... um, I'm not going to do a new jingle this week. Can we play the old rock and roll jingle? Because it's so good. Okay. All right. I'll insert the Magpie Facts jingle right here, and then I'll come back and And read the jingle. And then on we go. Magpie, living in the garden. Watch out. Magpie, they'll peck out your eyes. Magpie, flying in the sky, black and white. There you go. Satisfied with rock and roll jingle? Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Hello, Andrew and James. Not that either of you need any warning about the dangers of magpies, but I thought it my public duty to make my story known to your listeners. I live in Adelaide, Australia, and we all know the magpies are more vicious down under. On Tuesday morning, I drove to work at the small primary school where I teach second graders. It was a pleasant morning and so I had both windows down about five or six centimeters. As I sat at the lights, suddenly I heard a loud, dull thump, and the inside of my car seemed to explode, showering me in a mixture of green, white, and brown bird shit. Now, I'm no ballistics expert, but I worked out that a bird had released a bomb at such an angle and velocity that it had come through the passenger side window, almost horizontal to the ground, and and slammed into the steering wheel, causing it to explode all over my pants, shirt, and tie, as well as all over the inside of the driver's side door. A smaller bomb had hit the outside of the window, but the one that had shattered slash shattered all around me was at least golf ball size, probably bigger. Go on. A bird shit through his window yeah while he was in motion i think he was sitting at the lights okay wow this is spectacular yeah he goes on to say i have picture evidence of this which i'm happy to provide on request as i said i have requested pictures of the shit-stained interior of damien's car and indeed his own clothes he said i looked around and there was nobody else around except for a magpie hopping away from my car Now, some people might say that such a gigantic ball of shit could not come from a relatively small bird, but you and I know better. I sat there for a good few minutes, too shocked to do much, but reflecting on just how bad your car can smell when the inside of it is covered with bird bird shit. And I vaguely had the thought, I have to message the Arsecast Extra about this. I called my boss and told him I would be late. He wasn't angry because he was too busy pissing himself laughing. I drove home, (laughs) showered, and spent 20 minutes cleaning down my car and picking up green chunks out of the cup holders. When I eventually got in the car, it was mostly clean, except for a green smear just inside the frame of the windscreen, right at my eye level. In the five days since, I keep forgetting to clean it off, so it's still there. So, on a scale of one to explosive magpie ship projectiles, how has your morning been? So there oh, we go. Oh, man. Wow. What an experience. I mean, he, he, he can shower as many times as he like. The stench of magpie shit will never 
will never truly wash away. He's going to have to just burn that car. I think just throw it off a cliff, set it on yeah. fire, because there's it's no cursed. saving it. Yeah, it's cursed. Um, and I think that what, is yeah an incredible feat of kind of projectile uh, engineering on the magpie's part. But it doesn't surprise me. No, we me, know me neither. We know they're evil. We know they plan these things. And and pre-planned. Pre- it was a pre-planned poo. Pre-ordained, pre-planned, pre-organized magpie poo right through the window. I mean, we know this. What wasn't this, the story about a, a magpies being fitted with trackers a couple of months ago? And then, like, within minutes, they were taking the trackers off each other because they'd figured out what it was. So, clearly, this magpie looked through the window and went, not only is that fucker an Arsenal fan, he listens to the Arscast Extra. And they've shit through his window, like literally every Arscast listener in close contact with any magpie should be terrified at this point. They could shit through a fucking keyhole and land it in your eye. This is what we're going to have to deal with from now on. Mm. Scary wow. stuff. Scary stuff out there. So... Uh, thank you, Damien, for sharing that. And uh, best of luck with cleaning yourself off, even though we know it's never going to happen. You're forever tainted, tattooed with the shit of the magpies. And thank you to everyone who um, alerted me to the fact that oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> some magpies have entered the Europa Conference League. They're literally um, called magpies. FC Bruno magpies. <laughs> Their crest is a magpie. Their kit is black and white. Wow. Uh, overcame... Now, who was this? They overcame uh, the Crusaders of, I want to say, Northern Ireland. Um, Crusaders are a Northern Ireland club, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, 2-1 in the first leg of their Europa Conference League qualifier. Quite extraordinary, actually. FC Bruno's Magpies are a Gibraltar team who are making their way. That's how you do it, though. That's that's how they're doing it, you know. Right? You they you, thought they, the, like, they thought where can what league can we enter that yeah, we can exactly. dominate? The magpie, yeah, but the magpies aren't going in like going. We'll take over Man United. No, that's that's too start too small. much. Start small, work your way up, and then dominate. And um, there are some suspicious things, like their manager is called Nathan Rooney. It's like, is that just Wayne? Have they got Wayne Rooney there? Because their goal scorer the other day was Daniel Bent. These are all goodness. like that. It's breeding projects between former top evil footballers and magpies to create a super team. Their their striker is called Steve Beak. Exactly. Yeah. Bob Flapper. He's yeah. their goalkeeper. Just, it's just, we, it's we've disgusting. got it sussed. We've got it sussed. So the Crusaders... I mean, they've got a noble crusade ahead of them to turn that second leg around. Let me yeah, tell you. well, best of luck to them, but I don't fancy their chances. You know, these evil corporations, evil outfits, they always yeah. seem to come out on top, don't they? Until What I would say to the crusaders is make sure as you arrive at the stadium, your coach windows are sealed because yeah, we know what's you can be happen. bombarded. We know what's going to happen. All right. Um, okay, well, look, I think it's time to finish this one. I'm going to get it uploaded. And then I think I'm basically on holidays. Wow. Well, have a great holiday. Thank you very much. Uh, thank um, you to everyone. I'll, yeah, go on. I'll be in America. Yes. Yeah. So hopefully see some of you around. Um, it's a big I'm place. You might be a bit specific. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Orlando from 
Sunday for a week. I know. Are you going to go um, on Space Mountain on your own? Like Jeff Bezos? <laughs> yeah, I've hired it out. In fact, that was one of the lookalikes somebody sent me on Instagram, Jeff Bezos. I was like, fuck <laughs> off. Um, I know I'm doing a thing with the Gooners pod maybe on Thursday night in Baltimore. So um, Very good. Check that out. But yeah, see some of you there and have a great holiday. Thank you, man. I will do my very best to you guys. As always, thank you so much for listening and for downloading, sharing, subscribing, all the rest of it. Catch you the far side. Take care and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 